to another episode of the Glorantha Investigation Series, where we, that's uh, me, Jörg, and Ludo. Hi. <laughs> where we talk to members of the tribe who recently joined the Godliner Studies. The Godliner Podcast wants to investigate how people comparatively new to Glorantha experience the world, what are the rewards, what are the hurdles when approaching this setting. So, would you please introduce yourself? Hello, everybody. Um, my name's Lee, Lee O'Connor. I, I, I've used the pronouns he, him. I'm from the UK. I'm, I live in a little part of the UK called Devon. Um, there's a funny little peninsula that sticks out. If you look at the map down sort of towards the southwest, and I'm, I'm down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm talking to you currently from the, uh, the medieval town of, of Totnes. So, um, If I if I look to my uh, if I look to my right, um, I, I can just about maybe see the hill that has the lovely sort of Norman medieval castle at the top of it. Oh, how, how old is the castle? Um, it dates back to about 1100 or so. Um, oh, nice! And it's it, in its current form, it was rebuilt with sort of stone walls in about 1300 or something like that. Is it just a ruin, or is it? Actually, it's kind of a ruin to be honest, because it, it's one of those kind of early castles whereby it's a kind of very beefy form of like a ring fort. So it's what's called a mott, a mott and bailey castle. So it's it's like a peak, and then there's a um, a single great big stone wall with so for, perfect place to go larping. Yeah, pretty much. And there's even there's even the bit the bit where the town was in front of the um, the castle. That's a lovely great big flat bit, which has sort of great big mature trees, and then a sort of a smaller stone wall around it. And I'm sure you can probably like Google this or something and, and, and look up all about it. But yes, yes, it is a perfect place to go laughing. And I think many many people of many residents, young residents of, of, of Totnes over the years, have done their own kind of strange. Laughing there over the years <laughs> in some kind of altered state once they've come out of the pub down down the hill um <laughs> but then there's uh yeah but yeah if, if that's not the only place you want to go laughing in that's a bit historic we've got all kinds of other sort of there's like a medieval priory and there's um tudor merchants houses and all that kind of thing. but yeah we're, we're, not, we're not that big sadly down 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 in the wilds down here nothing's nothing's too sort of well established like it is sort of like closer to the to the center of the country Anyway, that's that's me, and I'm um, so I'm I'm mostly in terms of the, the exciting things I do. I'm I'm mostly an illustrator, so I, I draw things and I paint things. And, yeah, you um, you have actually quite the resume. I mean, you you'll be able to plug all your stuff at the end of the episode. But I mean, you worked right. for Image Comics. You worked on uh-huh. uh, Trinity Continuum RPG. Um, I did. Yes, you've got your own graphic novel and all that. I mean, it's it's pretty good. Good stuff. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I, I like your stuff as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but I'm um, um, a small. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you've um, you you did admit that, to me that you're into comics, so that means there will be there'll be some kind of like right turn into comics chat at some point because you know possibly yeah. But uh, also, also, I uh, I'll have I I dropped a bit out of comics. Like I'm not following comics as much as I used to, but uh, I'll. <laughs> Definitely have to check out the couple of uh, the couple of comic books you did for Image, uh, because I usually like what uh, Image does. So. 
Well, actually, oh, I've got to say, I, I was more the kind of like the backup strip guy yeah. in, in those and quite so much. And like sort of, you know, the, the sort of like artist friends who like do pinups in the back and all that kind of thing. Um, so like, yeah, I've, 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 I've done stuff for them. There's, there's no sort of like great thing that has my name in big letters out, out from image. But um, that, in a way, it, it might just be just as well, because if, if you do that, it's sort of like almost a bit risky to be sort of like, because that, that, that's, that's like, like true indie comics whereby you can get get a load of stuff and, and then yeah. nobody buys it and then you just sort of have to go back to zero again but anyway uh anyway yes we're here to talk about rpg how did you get into rpgs uh okay um so for me i'm slightly odd compared to most people who are into it because i i came to them as an adult oh. and when i was a teenager doing all the kind of like the nerdy things i, I didn't quite get to rpgs it should be said that it was while I was being a teenager. It, it, it was um, it was the nineties. It was like kind of like mid late nineties. Um, I kind of feel I kind of feel like role playing games were sort of on like on on the floor, kind of on their back, kind of not making much noise at, at, at that mm-hmm. point in time. And then if you were a nerdy young person who kind of like liked fantasy gaming or, or the idea of fantasy gaming. You kind of got sucked into these other things that were going on at the time. So, um, so that uh, Magic: The Gathering, the the, the collectible card <laughs> game, was was of absolutely course. massive at that point. And and you would kind of like, you'd walk into like a big kind of uh, record shop in the UK, and they would there would be like Magic: The Gathering cards there. Um, and also, in, in most of the towns in, in in the UK, there would be Games Workshop shops. Um, Mm-hmm. That sounds kind of funny when you say it like that, but games workshop stores, shall we say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you're if you're kind of like a slightly uh, clueless teenager, you end up kind of getting pulled into both of those, and they're both things that started off their their idea was to get like a kind of an RPG experience and then turn it into a different medium, which was kind of like a like a thing, like almost like sort of, I want to say microtransactions is like the modern version of it, isn't it? Whereby <laughs> you can, if you're playing Magic or you're playing Warhammer, you can you can do whatever you want to imagine just as long as you buy the card with that thing on or just as long as you buy the model that is that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I did a bit of that and sort of got burnt out on both those things pretty quickly. Um <laughs> And then some, yeah, some some time passed. Um, and then it was some, it was brilliantly. It was some friends of mine. We were, um, um, as as these stories maybe start sometimes. We 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 were in the pub one evening, and um, a bunch of my friends are maybe like sort of five years older than me, or ten years older than me, or something, or something like that. And they they were reminiscing about the old days of fantasy role playing when when they were younger. <laughs> um, and there was there was. Uh, there, there were calls for this kind of thing to start again um and shouldn't we all get involved and do some of that again and i just happened to be there as well and and got invited to the first session of some some people going back to fantasy role playing so wait wait wait, wait. And, you mean to tell me that your first fantasy game adventure started with meeting in a tavern <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then um, and then we went to the curry house down down the hill. So um, this is so I don't, British. I don't <laughs> well, no, you know we, we've got that whole ridiculous pub culture thing, um, whereby yeah, everybody in the pub is kind of like an equal. And if you yeah, if, if you meet someone and you judge them to be acceptable, you know you you can you can go on an adventure with them, and it and it starts as soon as you walk out the pub door with them. It's this. Right. 
yeah. quite quite uncanny. But no, then then the the next the next stop on on the journey was going to the curry house, and then I think that was where the where we we ate some curry, and then yeah, plans were firmed up, and then I was um, I was like maybe like twenty three or something like that, and then I I'd, so, so the first RPG I, I played was was. Um, uh, like quite a lot of people in the UK and um, like some other folks in Europe as well, it was Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Of course, um, I was going to bet my money on that. <laughs> yeah, you see, so yeah, so so see see a British role player. Chances yes. are they might have had their start on that. If yeah. mm-hmm. so you, you're right. And it was it was pretty good fun. It kind of had this. Um, it's very sort of black and very sardonic. But it doesn't fall into the trap of what quite a lot of modern things like that do of going, we're really edgy. Have you seen how dark we are? Mm-hmm. But um Warhammer was just like a bit funny. And it yeah. was it was yeah. it was a bit like if if Monty Python Life of Brian happened in like about yeah, a slightly slightly later time period with, with less nights and just it was all about <laughs> it kind of in the fullness of time, I, I came to appreciate that it was basically the Games Workshop house version of RuneQuest, all the way down to having percentile skills, and it had brew in it as well. It's just that they were called Beastmen, yeah, and they and they did that because they just cast some Beastmen, um, some sorry brew miniatures, and they were like, "Oh, we want to keep them." So they're yeah. they're now a Games Workshop thing, and, and they're like yeah. Games Games Workshop's own goat men. There mm-hmm. you go. And it yeah. turns out if, if if you go on an adventure in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, there's always Beastmen somewhere. Like in in someone's cellar or like in the cupboard or something, and that's that's like that's that's the first warning sign. There's some kind of chaos nonsense going on <laughs> that some very very kind of disposable people need to go and try and try and stab with a sharp stick, mm-hmm. um, and then like someone will get a disease and then someone will get insane and then someone will die and and it just kind of goes like that. And people people kind of like ride it out because it's. Um, like I say, I, I discovered that this this way of gaming was very much lifted from RuneQuest and Call of Cthulhu, mm. which is that you kind of you you take you take what you're given and you just try and make as a, as, as a player and you sort of make a, your character into an exquisite corpse by the end of it, who's just completely kind of like missing missing limbs and is totally mad and just yeah that's 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 the fun bit. The fun bit isn't when you like kill the dragon and get the treasure. The fun bit is just how much you've ruined yourself or how much your character has ruined themselves <laughs> on, on the weather. So we played a bit of that and it was fun. And my, I, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. So I, I said, let's randomize everything I am. So I was a female halfling hedge witch who, who survived for quite a long time because she couldn't really do anything to do with fighting. So she just kind of <laughs> stood stood around reloading a crossbow whenever anybody else was doing anything. And then um, and then we moved on and we played Call of Cthulhu. Um, and our GM for Call of Cthulhu was totally amazing. And we did a few campaigns of that, and it was absolutely brilliant. Um, we did. We even did Master Mignon at Hotep. We didn't go all the way around the entire world because it had taken ages by yes. like the time we were. That I think we skipped out like a whole country or maybe even a two of them. But we, yeah, we, we definitely went to New York and the UK and Kenya and uh, Australia. And then you, well, you just you're just missing Egypt. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, we did do Egypt. We did do Egypt. Oh, okay. Maybe... So then you're missing uh, uh, China. Shanghai. I think we did. I think we missed out China. So just one. That's good. 
Hey, um, and I mean, even, even me, who was, who was absolutely loving it, was kind of going, it's been going on for ages now. It's kind of like you're, yeah, all, all, all this sort of this event is now like, it's like they're your family members and you're, you've been with them for years. How then, many characters died? Ah, loads. Um, at least about five or six. Um, but I mean, that's over the course of a few campaigns. I was really good at getting my characters killed. Um, Cool. There was another guy who was also really good at uh, getting his characters killed. Let's defend it. I think so, and I think it's it's the, the the people who get all their characters killed are just kind of going into it and not holding back. They're they're embracing the idea that it's a really bad idea for your character to do something, <laughs> but they would do that, and you know, so they should do that. And, and there you go. And I managed to get like a whole tragic family out of it, whereby there was. A tragic family where the, the the son died and then the sister died and well oh, because you were playing then, like the the yeah. sister and the brother yeah. of your previous character yeah. and all that yes yes yeah so even even the, the the tragic sister turned up and another investigator shot her in the back of the head by accident like about <laughs> two weeks or so after she turned up oh, um, and, and and then their mad uncle had to come and like track them down or, or track the group down that was busy kind of throwing everybody in his family into this meat grinder. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, we we did a bit of that, and then we did uh, we did like you know Cyberpunk twenty twenty. We did cool. Um, we ran some Savage Worlds. We did we did we did a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, um, that fantasy role playing game, which you might have heard which of. Which one? Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know, right? Because like, because um, uh, everybody is ever is like thinks that role playing games are Dungeons and Dragons, and it's 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 not. I I'd, I'd been doing fantasy role-playing games for years and years and years um, mm-hmm. yeah. before i played dungeons and dragons and i think it's i think it's the same for a lot of people in europe to be honest they, yeah. they don't yeah i had a, i had a similar trajectory to you uh, um, yeah <laughs> i see how about you Jörg? oh well i started when i was in university and my first game which i jammed uh was with fighting fantasy game books oh, nice <laughs> very british <laughs> yeah actually um, i did i did a tiny bit of that now you come to mention it there was like a because it the thing that you had was it like tiny paperback book sized yes because there was one of those um which kind of said like hey why don't you get a gang of you and one of you can be the games master and i did a little bit of that on the school bus and everything so actually hang on my <laughs> no hang on that was that was my introduction to fantasy role playing wasn't it oh god okay yeah it was when i was a teenager yeah. damn it right there we go I've, I've made all these outrageous claims and now they've been completely <laughs> They've been completely exploded, so sorry. Um, well, uh, we were talking about tabletop role-playing, so... Uh, you're yeah, there's, there's no tables on the bus, so you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> no, 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 there weren't, no. Um, so, yeah, and then um, what happened next? Well, next is uh, how you got into Glorantha. Um, well, let's see. I'd So being into role-playing, you would meet everybody once in a while who would go like, oh yeah, hey, I'm into role-playing too. And then there might be some kind of story about Glorantha or RuneQuest come up, sort of like spoke of in in reverential tones. <laughs> and not having any idea what it was, I could very easily see that it had made an impact upon these people because they would start talking about their character and what their character did and what their character's God did. And then like what happened as a result. And 
that was kind of that was in 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 the background as kind of war stories from like you know the the old gamers and all that kind of thing and in in my head um runequest was kind of like some kind of medieval game because it was sort of had religious fanatics in it and the the only the only the only mental image i had of religious fanatics was sort of like christian fanatics in the medieval period or something so i i had no idea about the whole kind of like ancient world setting at that stage runequest um, now with spanish inquisition <laughs> <laughs> hmm it could it could be done somehow couldn't it it could Let be done think. yes <laughs> now there's there's yeah who's the most like the spanish inquisition um, we'll, we'll have a think we'll have a think um yeah. so i i i that, that was kind of like bubbling under and then When I really took a notice of it was when they brought out the quick start little tiny adventure and rules together that was in something like 2017 or something like that. Yeah. And at that point, the kind of the, the news sites that I was reading were saying like, hey, there's a new version of this really old, really complicated role, uh, role playing game. Look at this. Um And then the, the PDF of it was free, so anybody could like read the PDF and go like, oh, what's all this about? So I, I opened up the PDF and said, like, oh, what's all this about? And um, I was kind of like immediately stunned at just how old school it was, even down to the point where like, even a lot of the typesetting in, in, in the quick start was very old school and like, used the same kind of typefaces that I'd remembered seeing in like, people's old uh, role-playing game books from the 80s. And the thing, the thing that kind of like, crawled inside my brain and then like wouldn't get out again was that you'd look at someone's stats there was, there'd, be a, there'd be a character stats in there um, and everything would look fairly straightforward and then it would somewhere in the middle it would just go darkness 60% or um, <laughs> like fertility 70% and then nowhere in the PDF could I sort of quickly find something that explained what that was And why it was sort of so, so like casually dropped it. Well, also bad reading might, might have had something to do with it. Um, and that, that was somehow like enough to lodge in my mind whereby it seemed like you could buy a concept in RuneQuest somehow. And I, I, I never saw any other game that kind of let you do that in the same way. Um, but anyway, um, so fast forward another few years and I'm, it, it must be said, I, I, I spend, some of my time sort of trying to come up with really bad hacked versions of role-playing games whereby you get one game and then pull out the the, the, the flavor and then put it in the mechanics of another game and that on all, all that kind of thing so i was i was thinking to myself wouldn't a wouldn't a game that's like um jason of the argonauts be really good like a sort of a a, a greek myth game Where you know, like the, the gods get involved, and and that, that so was before Aegon was released. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> which I've had a look at that actually, yeah, yeah. and it looks really good. Have, yeah, have you played yeah, it? No, it's uh, I played a, a one shot of it, and it's great. And you can just squint a bit and see how you could kit bash that into Glorenta also if you want. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, yes, continue. Absolutely. So yeah, so I um. Um, I was thinking this, this, this could be really good because, you know, you can have, you can like have island hopping in it. You can like go to an island and like something cool happens. Then you go to the next island and something cool happens. Maybe a monster pops up. There's like a precedent for that in like mythology. Isn't that great? See, you, you could have written Aegon before, uh, before Stephen <laughs> It's, it's I, exactly I, how it works. <laughs> I doubt it very much because it, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I'm not like a whole, system and flavor and everything all in one go kind of guy i'm like 
bit, bits, bits and pieces all over the place. Um, so I thought, what would what would be a good game to like run this thing in? Mm-hmm. Um, thinking that because it must be said with, with me, I, I don't necessarily like straight fantasy or straight sci-fi. I kind of prefer the sort of the genre stuff, like say. You know, like pulp detectives, or or westerns, or like uh, Japanese samurai shambara stuff, or, or, or that kind of thing. And that sort of the the appeal you, you could say to anybody, like, oh, you know, like Jason and the Argonauts, and like so, someone will have said, well, yeah, I, I, I saw that film, and like they did the thing with like fighting the skeletons, and it was really cool. And you go, like, yeah, like that. Let's play that. And you wouldn't have to go. There's a fantasy world, and there's a series of magic crystals and there's a race of people who look like elves only their ears look like goats ears and and it's all very important because of this this and this and then by that stage it, you you're, you're kind of your pitch has just fallen apart completely yeah you, you could have just gone like jason and the argonauts and everybody goes yeah <laughs> uh, so that's that's where i came from so I, I kind of found myself thinking what can i what can i run this thing in because it must be said at, the, at this point we just had uh, my gaming group had like a break for like a year or so. And I was like, right, we need something that kind of like kind of simple. So maybe like basic role playing would be good for it because we we know how that works and and all that kind of thing. And then what was I doing? I was looking. Uh, so I, I I looked at GURPS Ancient Greece and I kind of bounced off that for the GURPS stuff in there. Aww. The the the, the, fla- the flavor is absolutely amazing. There's there's another really we, when we did Savage Worlds we did the Pirates um Savage Worlds and there's oh, the a, 50 Fathoms? Uh almost. We almost did that one. We did the Pirates of the Spanish Main one. Oh, not, okay, not, cool. not because we're fans of that weird little game that had little models that you bought in booster packs and you made funny little pirate ships out of these little <laughs> punch-out styrofoam things. We none of us had anything to do with that, but it was like a nice kind of pirate thing that was set in the real world and once again you could say to anybody you know pirates haha and then that's kind of like your your setup done straight away you don't have to go oh it's like 50 fathoms it's like pirates but it's also fantasy and there's like octopus people and uh. um well now that you can say it's just like pirates of the caribbean and, and you're good yeah so, exactly so, and, yeah. and then in in three words your your pitch is is done and you can like oh so what do you think so <laughs> so i was looking at brp i and then I saw online somebody was talking about something called Open Quest, ah, yeah. and I was into the idea of things that were simple. Um, we played this thing that was called Bare Bones Fantasy for a while, and that was something we did after no role playing happened for like a year or so, just to ease ourselves into it. And then I saw this this thing for Open Quest, and I went, "Oh man, I should have done it in that all along." And and maybe the next thing will be uh, Open Quest running Jason of the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. And then some more time passed, and what happened? And then there was a pandemic, and then really? the thing, was there? Yeah, 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 there was, yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, and we were—I I don't know how you guys like played it out, but we, we, because we were, we'd been a gaming group for years and years and years, and we were kind of like waiting out for the pandemic to finish and for the, and for the restrictions <laughs> to lift. So you know, we were there in like. Uh, was it March 2020? Like going, oh yeah, three weeks of lockdown. Then we'll be back. We'll be back to um, back to the old re- months, uh, re- regular weekly game sessions. Um, and we we won. And then more months passed, and yet more months passed. And then we had to abandon the idea that we would meet again in this like bright, shining, sunlit future where everybody could mingle again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we just stayed in our houses and did it online instead. Like cool. lots of yeah. people. 
Um, so I was running, I was running uh, Cthulhu Tech, uh, the setting of Cthulhu Tech, which is the kind of the H.P. Lovecraft meets Neon Genesis Evangelion thing with lots of the Guyver anime mixed in as well and all that kind of thing. Um, that always struck me as really cool because I'm not in any way above going, giant robots, really cool. Um, <laughs> but, but, but sadly impossible to turn into a decent role-playing game because there's a, there's a differing scale thing going on with when you're a human and then when you're a giant robot. And I don't know how well anybody's ever done it reconciling those two things but anyway it, it, it was the lockdown and you know we could do we could do something really wacky that didn't even make sense and you could see all the joins in it where i'd kind of nailed everything together so it was the setting of cthulhu tech run with powered by the apocalypse it was a mech game it was a mech game called too good to be true well, that was deliberately yeah. deliberately a powered by the apocalypse robotech i think it was no not robotech Battletech, Battletech. That's oh, it. wow, okay. So it was a Powered by the Apocalypse Battletech game that was deliberately based on a like a real-world military game called The Regiment. There's a, a Powered by the Apocalypse game you can look up called The Regiment, and in that you're, you play different roles in a squad, like, you know, sergeant, corporal, infantryman, all that kind of thing. And um, someone had taken that and turned it into you were a bunch of, like, robot jocks. Um so we played. We, we, we were playing that, and I was thinking it's time to bring out stupid idea number two after the the Cthulhu giant robot thing with the weird <laughs> system. Um, let's have a look at doing the the Jason and the Argonauts with BRP thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by that stage, I I wasn't paying attention, but the the core rulebook for RuneQuest role playing in Garantha had been out for like a year or two, and it totally passed me by. But did it ever have a really attractive cover? Just like as soon as you look at it, and I, I, I've got to say, Andrei yes. Petrosov's artwork is mm-hmm. probably one of the main reasons that I kind of tripped into RuneQuest and, and Glorantha quite so easily, just because it's absolutely beautiful. Well, props um, to him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's he's got this like absolutely amazing style where he he actually reconciles really, really precise line work with yeah. this incredible kind of like, um painted color palette underneath yeah exactly it's like you you can't you can't tell if it's a painting or a comic book art yeah it's really like exactly exactly Exactly. in the middle yeah yeah Yeah, it's amazing absolutely absolutely so that being who i am being an illustrator i saw that and i was like what is that i I want in on that what 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 is that it's 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 definitely like done the equivalent of, of me opening the cover and seeing what it's all about and it turned out it was a game that was kind of set in the ancient world and it had gods in it and adventurers and... And skeletons. And possibly skeletons as well, if you want skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't... Here was the thing. I could, I could prepare this thing, this game that we were going to play by just going up to a shelf and just picking it up. I didn't have to like write a whole load of stuff or combine do two different things and then like make a sort of like a a new document out of it somehow i could just pick it up and go look here it is this is the thing and like you know you guys can go and get the thing as well and we can all have the thing and we all know what the thing is let's let's do the thing shall we um so there we were and i mean the the, the main one of the main draws well the the other main draws for me was that i've always 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 been into mythology and here was a thing that seemed to combine my two main interests, which is role-playing games and mythology. And now here they were, like both 
both sort of like cozied up next to each other in front of me. So, I mean, I, 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 I was, I was doing that thing. That I don't know if you do where you go, I can't buy another role playing game until I play all the role playing games that I've got on the shelf up there that are just sit, <laughs> sitting up there unplayed. No, I don't, I don't like to lie to myself. So no, I don't do that. You don't. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the most, the most thought processes that have gone into it. So that the games go there and then sometimes the games come out again. Okay. Cool. Nice. <laughs> uh, see, it's bad. Whenever you have to buy a new bookshelf, that's always the time to kind of look at, yes. look at your behavior. Isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I, I, RuneQuest role-playing in Garanta made me break my own rule that I'd set for myself. No no more role-playing games until we get all those other ones on the shelf that mm-hmm. played. So, yeah, got it. And the thing that really, really excited me about it was the idea of hero questing. Um, the idea that you could participate in mythology or play the archetypes of mythology or... Uh, yeah, a pl- play a game inside some mythology because those are two of my favourite things. Yeah. So I, I was right. just pow- I was I was powerless to resist at, at that stage. So w- what kind of mythology were you into before? Um, just any really any mythology you've got, I'm I'm into it. The the one that I'm most the one that I'm mostly into as as a, as a card carrying person who's into that kind of thing is is Irish mythology. Oh, um, okay. Celtic Irish mythology um, and uh, case in point um, I'm currently very slowly drawing a graphic novel all about a guy called Finn McCool um, have you guys actually, this is a good test have you heard of a guy called Finn McCool before isn't he the 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 sort of entity referenced in the movie Men I've not seen that movie so is it, is it I, like the um, the sort of male fertility figure He's he's definitely been a fertile individual in in some of the stories. Um, he's been a giant as well. He's one of those guys who's been a yeah. Okay, uh, if he's a giant who made uh, the big loch in Northern Ireland, yeah. So he's done he's done a bit of giant stuff. He's in stories as a giant. He's also in in stories as a normal sized person as well. Yeah, and he's also in some Scottish stories as well. And he's uh, what what I always say to people is he's the Irish version of king arthur he um he's a guy and he has kind of like a a round table of 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 uh, knights and and wonderful fighting men and, and warrior poets all around him um and they're called the fiena yeah. and it's it's there's there's just loads and loads of parallels between king arthur and and, and fiona mccool so in in the movie in in the movie Man, yeah, I'm mistaken. It's the it's the Green Man and Sheila Nagy. Aha, yes. Okay, so yeah, the Green Man, and then that, that you get into this whole thing of yeah, was was the Green Man? Was it the Green Man? Was it the Green Knight? Was it the Green whatever? And there's all these kind of motifs that just come up again and again and again. Um, cool. But so it's it's still somewhat different mythology is what you found in. The RuneQuest and Glorantha, though. Kind of, but there's definitely some crossovers with Orlant and um, the kind of the Celtic, the, the Celtic side of, 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 of the Sartorites. I mean, cattle raiding, what can go wrong? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the most famous um, stories in Irish mythology is called the, the Cattle Raid of Cooley, uh, Toynbo Cooley. Um, and that's all about a guy called Cúchulín, who is a young kid who ends up being kind of like, uh, the one person who fights an entire army's worth of battles between two great big nations. And the reason that those nations have, got, have gone to war with each other is over two magic cows. 
That sounds really like throwaway, but the whole point is there's a series of stories as to why the cows are magic and who they are, who they're descended from, like what strange things have happened. Um, cool. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds all lengthy enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. – um, yes, there, there's a bit of that, and there's lots of boasting in Celtic mythology and also in – you know, and anything to do with like sort of study of, of um, Iron Age stuff or like early – like late, late – very, very late Iron um, – Iron Age going into the very, very early Dark Ages. There's lots, there's lots of kind of like archaeological like stuff to do with like, you know, boast, boastful people drinking lots of mead and and uh, then sallying forth with, with sort of fantastic weapons to do things and all that kind of thing. Okay. So you dove into um, the, the RuneQuest rulebook with all those ideas <laughs> in mind of like mythology and hero questing yeah, and all that. Yeah, what, yeah. Do, how did you come out on the other side of the rulebook <laughs> when there were like no hero questing rules? And, and uh, so. Yeah. So, so you literally, you Google hero questing rules for, for RuneQuest and then like... <laughs> And they're pr pretty much one of the first results you see is someone on a forum saying, I've been waiting for Hero Quest rules since 1983. Um, and then it becomes clear at that stage you will have to do the magic thing that games masters do, which is just make it up. Yes. Um, yeah. just, just fudge it. Use your fudge, which is the, like the, the the best tool that that games masters have. So did you, did you do that? Like, did you start the game? I, and I then... did. So yeah. so we we started the game. We were in. We we're still in lockdown. We were doing it online. Um, I'm I'm happy to to issue a, a spoiler here and say, currently we get to play the game not in lockdown, and we actually get get to like spend time in the same room with each other, which is really cool. Um, so I. Uh, the very first thing my players did in RuneQuest was be on a hero quest because that was the, the in media res start to the thing. Their village was having like a, cere a celebration and they just got picked out of the crowd to go and represent their gods on, on a hero quest. And I had a look at the first thing I ran. It was something about how they were gonna they were gonna like try and make some more make make more sort of a satirite unity appear, and everybody was gonna pull together, um, like behind their tribal queen and behind uh, Queen Calistarbrow, um, who of course her 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 rulership of, of Sata was like a bit rocky. Um, so I ended up I found. The wiki pages for the King of Dragon Pass um, computer game. Oh yeah, and there's there's a hero quest for something to do with the making of a storm tribe. Orlanth makes a storm tribe or something, and I kind of like cut some of that out and just took advantage of the fact it was literally like step number one, step number two, step number three. So I moved that around a lot, and then. Uh, the, the, the player characters' gods—they they were all representing their gods—and there was a story all about how each each stage, Orlanth had uh, he he drew breath into his lungs and became inspired with the, with the solution to a problem. So a storyteller told them the story, and then they went off to the hero quest and had to reenact it all. And then, because it's a hero quest, something goes wrong slightly. Um, which is which is unexpected because the whole point is you, you can't nail down the myth because the myth is too strong. The, the, the myth will break free. And we had, um, and then yeah, naughty lunar empire spirits turned up and all kinds of things like that. Um, this was after we've got um, we've got an Ermal player 
and um, he had to be kicked up the arse by another player as part of his <laughs> his hero quest challenge, nice. which was an absolutely shameless rip off of of the joke from the Father Ted TV show. Which I don't know if you've seen that. It's a it's no, a it's a it's, it's a British, British for me, it's, it's a Brit well it's it kind of it's it's a British comedy show and it's about some priests um, in Ireland out on the out on a tiny island in in uh, on on the west of Ireland and and the the local bishop comes to visit them and they've been dared to kick kick the bishop up up the ass while he's he's, he's yeah, anyway we're, we're digressing here and then that's that's our kind of. <laughs> That's our marker and our and our level and our yardstick for what the what the Urmal stuff is. Okay. Um, wow! So you really started with a bang, like you really <laughs> went with like custom hero questing rules and all that. That's that's pretty well, yeah, badass. It, but I mean, it was it was like you know, like baby's first hero quest kind of thing. Because like, I was deliberately running it so that if they died, they'd kind of like just pop out in the real world again and they'd be yes. fine. Or there were there were no sort of like great great. Um, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Recriminations? Is that the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, like no, no big no, nothing, curses or whatever. Yeah, or, no, nothing uh, would go horribly wrong. Because um, I, I just felt that when you're when you play a role playing game that has a particular thing, it's your job as the game's master to, to like get that particular thing out and go. But look, this game does this thing. It does this thing. Look, you can experience it. And with with RuneQuest, it's the mythology and it's that that hero questing, even though you have to make it up yourself. Um, and then, then they kind of fell into doing slightly more normal things and things out of the Games Master book adventures. And then, and then it looked like we might have been doing, uh, we, we might have been losing a player because he was moving away. So we ended up doing um, another hero quest. Uh, it was a Marangor hero quest, and they were they were reenacting um, how um, Marangor's shaker beast children were created and then destroyed by different things. And each, yeah, so someone was being Marangor and then different characters were being different shaker beasts. And each one, they had like, like a little chapter each and I kind of mapped it out. So it wasn't just like the equivalent of a corridor that they'd go along where like they'd get to step one or something. It would be a little bit more like, They started off on the spike, and then there were five different directions they could go. Mm. And then there were some forks in the path, and they could choose where they could go. And then the whole point was they would have to, like, be be resigned to their fate of dying as a shaker beast, to like then be reborn and and try and try and make make their village a, a, a better place. Um, What was the goal of that hero quest? So when in the first hero quest, in, in, in the baby's first hero quest from um, King of Dragons past, those naughty Lunar Empire people kind of like trespassed into their hero quest and um, a lunar spirit appeared. And then it, it kind of, it ended up um, binding itself to their village whiter spirit. So they Ooh. decided that their village whiter spirit would be in a, in a sacred earth mound. So the sacred earth mound got kind of like, poisoned a bit Oops. and they the, the, it was then reasoned that because it was the holy day of marangor coming along they could do it on that day it had something to do with the earth which meant they could kind of cleanse it and yeah and then they were ended up it was like it was like a little bit of a history lesson as well because we did um we did the green age stuff so they went back to the green age the spikes there the spikes still got all the gods in it mucking about and then by the end of it um chaos armies have all appeared around the edge of the map and they were all kind of like 
attack, like moved across the landscape, attacked the spike. Spikes all broken into millions of bits. There on on the summit of the spike, kind of flying upwards through the air, having the boss battle with the the lunar spirit, and then they they take it out, and then and then they get to wake up. Um, on their sacred earth mound and lo and behold their sacred earth mound has taken on an, an appearance a little bit like the spike sort of that's that's their reward and also it's kind of there's been a sort of an upheaval in the earth and some um, empire of the worms friends kind of stonework has all sort of tumbled out and cool. that's led, led to some other things as well um cool. and then some some more mundane things happened um i was i was trying to play the timeline out because it, it i kind of got stuck on doing a timeline because when you make the characters you very much go through the timeline of what their family have been up to yeah and then it goes right okay go as um and then you're kind of left some some people might like thrive in that whole thing of going well that was really boring now we're going to go off and do the real things but for someone if, you, if you're reading that through and then you have to do the, your games master job of finding out what it means in the really, really clipped sentences where it says, like, oh, the boat planet came back, and then it just never, never explains <laughs> what the boat planet is, yes. where it came from, or where it went to, like, sort of who King Broyan is, where White Wall is, um, all kinds of other things, like, where's, where are the Auroch Hills? Like, is, is, like, is Belintar really a big deal? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just all, all this kind of thing and that it was it was clear that this this thing had so much depth to it in that it it, it had to speak in a very clipped way about all the things right so you, you mean like be, because some of your characters had that at, as part of their family's history yeah they yeah. had those elements then you wanted yeah. to bring those elements into the 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 actual campaign with the ongoing events and all that? Yeah, so yeah. I was very much like, right, we're doing a timeline and you can go online and find a great big timeline and you can like play your way through it and you can, if you want if you want to do that, you can do it. That's, that's, that's brilliant. If you want to like dip in and out of it, you can do that as well. It's really good for that. Um, because the other thing that I liked about the game was that it, it, it did the calendar. It's like you, you, you play the calendar. I've not really seen a game where you played the calendar quite so much and there are seasons and holy days. Right. And kind of thing. Are you playing seasonally or more like real time or? Um, sort of like real time and then it's end of the season time and then it sort of steps out of narrative time and then they yeah, yeah you fast off. forward here and there. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, that, yes. that, that kind of thing. So, so, I, so did you end up like, trying to follow the meta plot of the timeline or what yeah so well the really handy thing was you is that you then you look up a timeline and it goes right next big thing battle of dangerford and you go okay right cool um is that an adventure and it sounds like no it's not an adventure okay right so what am i going to do i'm going to make it up and then but lo and behold um on the joint the johnstone oh, nick brooks uh, there's, there's a lovely lovely yeah, yeah there's a lovely adventure by the lovely nick brook and you yes. can you Hi, can nick. play that out Hi, Nick, indeed. Um, and we, we went and did that, and they had loads of fun. And it was absolutely hilarious because there's this – the entire adventure seems to hang on this one little bit where it says the, the player characters will have to um, – oh, man, am I allowed to spoil this? Oh, God, right, I'll, I'll, I'll try and not spoil it as much as I can. We can tell people who don't want to be spoiled to fast forward <laughs> about a minute in the future. So Possibly, you, yeah. I'll, you I'll, have one minute, go. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, there's the bit where it says, the fact that will have to engage the guardian of the dueling grounds in, in some kind of like ritual or ceremony. Mm -hmm. And then that's like the end of that sentence. And then it just moves on to something else completely different. 
And I was like, what? But what? That's like the the most important bit in the in the adventure is the bit where it tells the games master how to get the players into the the amazing thing that's about to happen, which they wouldn't thought of otherwise. Um, and then I ran it, and then it turned out the players did it for me. I didn't even have to do anything. They were just like, "There's a guardian over there. We better engage him in some kind of like humacti ritual or, or, or ceremony." Um, and then we were, we were off. They, we were flying. They were having a great time. Um, and actually, it must be said, going back to Finn McCool, um, there's a Finn McCool story that's exactly like um, the Battle of Dangerford, where there's an island and there's a whole army that wants to sort of overwhelm it, but they end up getting fought one by one. Um, and, and Nick Brooke goes on, as far as to say, in the introduction to Duel at Dangerford, oh, by the way, some, one, of my, one of my players said this is exactly like a Finn McCool story. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, not the only uh, um, Celtic mythology nerd. Um, though, no, there, there's quite a lot of us out there actually, which is quite nice. Because, um, like, um, like Tolkien said, Celtic is a bag in which you can. He he hated this. He was really annoyed at how Celtic stuff could seemingly be anything. It could be anything, like from like the Celtic nations from any time period at all, be it like modern day anything wherever he said like something like celtic is a bag and you can put anything into it and anything can come out of it and then everybody kind of sits around going oh yeah it's just so celtic but it's it's because there's so many themes that underpin that through the ages and it's hilarious because we, we only have king arthur and he's so visible because the normans in the middle ages took the celtic stories that were from the dark ages and then reskinned them all into knights on horseback in sort of gleaming castles. They weren't like muddy guys in roundhouses anymore. They were suddenly, suddenly there was all this chivalry in it, which there hadn't been in it before. And it's that, it's it's that kind of thing because the the origin of, of, of all that Arthurian stuff is really, really, really murky. Um, but we see certain bits of it being repeated again and again and again through the ages. And it's the same with Celtic stuff. It's got something to do with, uh, in Western culture, that kind of wild side always seems to come out as Celtic or, or seems to have Celtic elements in it. And it's, it's, it's something that's come through. So, yeah, so, um, but back, back to RuneQuest. So we, 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 we did a few other things and then um, what we're doing. We've just done the Battle of the Queens, which is the next thing on, on the timeline when you look it up, which there isn't an adventure for. But there is a chapter in The Seven-Tailed Wolf by Mr. Andrew Logan Montgomery, yeah. which has the Battle of the Queens in it. So I took mm-hmm. that and then kind of like we rejigged it a bit and... Did, did you also have to make like battle rules and stuff or did you uh, i just kind of ran it like a big a big, like a fight, big action like, scene yeah yeah so it's kind yeah. of like a big skirmish so like oh look there's a line of soldiers here they are you got to fight this line of soldiers oh look that they've gone right next line of soldiers that's happening um so it sounds like yeah you have a very epic game between like big hero quests and big battles and all that well no this uh, is me this is me just saying all like the 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 epic stuff and then the there's a lot of it in terms of them being in their village because the whole point is they're a community and that that community has the whiter spirit that holds them all together and that's what they are so you know that they all know each other uh like one of them's one, one of them's a farmer and he runs a vineyard one of them's a noble there's the trickster who's like the the town criminal who's obviously <laughs> he he has the the protection of of of, of the chief 
because that's how it yeah. works. He's he's allowed to be a criminal, and then the chief gets blamed for everything. Um, we've got a merchant as well, and there's. I'll oh, bless them. They um they made uh you know the cattle raid adventure. There's uh, Hiotal, who's the teenage shepherd, who yeah. um is kind of like one of the main characters from that. So I made him into a her, and my characters adopted her and, and brought her back to their village, and she and she started working in, the, in one of their vineyards. And then there's um one of the characters, his sister's married to the little local shaman and like there's there's a red smith and it's all it's all very pastoral and and this is the thing that like binds them all together um but yeah and, th- and then we have to get I, I quite like dealing with the timeline because it's i don't know maybe it's exciting for me i don't actually know how exciting it is for the players we've got a couple of we've got one guy who kind of knows the timeline anyway and another guy who kind of knows the timeline. so i, I think maybe it's kind of exciting for them um, but this is the thing. So whenever you try and go, a dramatic event is happening. You are very much involved in it because your character's involved in it. Um, and say that dramatic event is the death of, of Queen Callia Starbrow. Your player characters then go, oh, no, but hang on. She was Sartar's one hope for unity. We've got to go on a hero quest to bring her back from the underworld. Let's oh, of go! Course. Of course. And, I, and then I, I was there with my my print on demand copy of The Black Spear by right. Nick Brooke, mm-hmm. where the characters go, right, Calistarbrow's dead. There's no start of right unity. Let's go to Pavis and get Argraf. Let's get him. Yeah, come on, let's right. go. Yeah. So I was there going, oh, I can't wait until we get out of this this old home thing and we can get, go and get Argraf because you know one one of you guys <laughs> is like just keeps on going about how good he is, and then obviously your your, your players are doing exactly the opposite thing, and then they're they're in the middle of doing a hero quest to the underworld to get. Calistarbrow's soul back, and I, uh, I, they could I, also bring her back, and you yeah, start and changing so, the timeline. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. So, oh, I don't know what to do though yeah, because there's an alternative timeline uh, where she uh, finds some later. Yeah, I, I'm so conflicted. Honestly, you, you, you've so yeah. we 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 ran it last bring night. Her back, by all means. <laughs> well, yeah, but another thing about but do we bring her back? But like something's wrong. Some somehow like she's the wrong yeah. one, or there's some other event happens that, that's she's wrong. She's kind of by Jariel. I don't know. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my current plan was that they were going to go on the, the amazing journey to the Court of Silence and then find Calistarbra, and, and Calistarbra was going to say, "I really don't want to come back. You have to go home now." Yeah. Even this is my on. retirement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, no, it's it's it is indeed tricky as a GM to decide where to go along with the players, where to go along with the timeline, and how to which bit you change and, and all yeah, that. But, yeah. Uh, so anyway, what, what, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Right. So what what we're we thinking about? Or what's what's your guys' vote then? Do we do we bring her back or do we just keep her down there in the underworld? I mean, the the old school approach would be to let the dice decide. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, if they are really into Kalir and don't seem to respond too much about this guy over far away in Pavis, then you know why not bring her back and and yeah. and see what the if the players are into it. I mean, you know, do it. But uh, I mean, there's also there's also the fact that if the players are into it. You know, leaving her dead 
is also like a strong emotion for them and wow. that's also good yeah. so i mean i don't know it's like yeah whichever yeah Jorg? uh so uh, i don't know if you ever uh, uh what uh, if you ever have been brave enough to read king of sada that weird novel mm-hmm. so i've i've dipped into the odd page of it and, and have thought yeah I'd, i'd love to read this but i haven't actually read it it has a couple of hints what could have happened if kalle uh, survived a little longer oh, okay oh does it okay Yes, um, uh, the original edition even had a timeline which made it sound uh, like she was killed in Bolton by Harrick. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> And a couple I of years later, of course. Okay. Mm. Wow, And okay. You, uh, you can revive that idea and yeah, in, ca- in case of doubt, just ask about it and people will okay. tell you all about it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've, this is a pen and paper here and I'm writing it down. Here we go. <laughs> um, the... The trickster answer to your question mm. might be to uh, not do either or, but instead <laughs> have them reach the court of silence. Kadir says like, you know, no, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm tired. I want to stay dead. <laughs> but here is, you know, some sign of legitimacy for one of the player that says like, oh, you know, actually you are part of the dynasty of Sartar and you could be a legitimate leader if you want here is like some symbol of legitimacy come back to the real world and now you have players who are like well fuck you know yep. one of us could be the prince of sartar now yeah <laughs> and 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 then you 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 look at your players decompose not knowing what to do with this um and then you know most probably going like ah, no let's go ask our graph instead we don't want to be the leaders but yeah uh, It's it's that amazing sort of dichotomy, isn't it? Where the in role playing games, where, where the the players are always going, "What happens next?" and the games master is going, "What happens next?" Yeah, and that, there's that, this kind of invisible point in the center, which is kind of like where this and matter and antimatter combine and, and make your game for you. Yeah, and half half of <laughs> the time, you know. I'm looking at my players and they're like, they seem to be into something. And I go like, sure, I'll get, I'll go along. And I make up something completely stupid on the fly because it sounds cool in that moment. And then when the session is done and, you know, I have to, I have a week to prep for the next session. And I go like, why did I come up with this shit? It doesn't make any sense. And I spend like one week trying to, you know, change the backstory from the behind the scenes to make it make sense. And so, but yeah, that's the, That's the fun bit of jamming, though, I, I would say. It's it's really interesting because if you're just making it up as you go along and it's obvious, you can get away with so much. And that the, the, the you who's doing it like two or three days later and going, oh, God, what the hell? Is, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not you in your altered state of when you're GMing. Yeah. And um, one thing I can say is that when we were – in lockdown and we we were sort of slightly down on the number of players for a session we would do flashback sessions which i would just make up on on the spot basically so we um and the key thing with that is that it's just the, above the title it says we're all just making it up as it goes along just have fun and like don't worry about it too much please yeah. <laughs> and then we so we, we'd look at the characters um family history and then figure out something that they were either together at in the past or that their parents or their grandparents were at, at the past and then they could have a go at having a flashback and then uh yeah and it was it was all over the place but it was it was great fun and then <laughs> the, the key thing was it just had that kind of note of 
would it, it's fine no, no no consequences let's just enjoy ourselves and <laughs> if uh, if if only you could combine that with something to do with a great big timeline where everything's listed yeah. out for you that would be brilliant but I, I i don't know what that is um yeah. so you talked about the stuff you like about Glorantha, the mythology and the hero <laughs> questing and all that uh now it's the, it's the uh, time to be honest what do you not like um so Either about the setting or about the rune quest mechanics or oh, the the lore, whatever. Uh, what what is it that you told? Yeah, the ducks. Well, yeah, well, you know, if um if you if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. Is is the, is the correct answer? That all. Come but, um, on. I have to, I one thing I have to say. Um, coming at it as you know somebody who is more used to more modern fantasy. Yeah. The place names. And the names in it are absolutely terrible. So you 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 pick up this book and you go like, all right, what is, is this what's com- the name this coming from? The guy who lives in the same country <laughs> as the hill that's basically called Hill 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 Hill. <laughs> yeah, and there's um there's lots of rivers that are called the River Avon in in the UK as well, and it and it means river river nice. as well. So it's it's exactly the same thing. Um, so. You would you would get your book, your RuneQuest book and it would say uh, you'd, you'd be like ah oh, RuneQuest book where what is the 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 amazing mythological name of of the of the town where these heroes live and then the RuneQuest book would say it's called Clear Wine and you'd be like why is it called Clear Wine what the hell are you on about um, and then you'd read a bit and it'd be like oh it's something about like how there's really good white wine there or something. And then you go, well, isn't this something to do with like mythological thing? And then you, you sort of, you, you become less jade as, as you go down and you go, oh, right, actually, okay, right. So King Colomar's wife, Queen Hareva, was gifted with a special strain of grape by an elder or something like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's just still not enough to not make you look at the map in the first place and go, what's the name of that haunted place? Oh, it's called Ghosts Around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um what's the name oh god was it quack quackford yeah, so you're yes. there you're there trying to like sort of you know engage with this this mythological <laughs> thing you know on on par with like yeah. you know the odyssey and and then suddenly they they pull into <laughs> they pull into quackford yeah I mean, and come on and that's yeah. even yeah, that's even before you get to the to the places just named after Greg Stafford's buddies or exactly. places yeah. named after bad puns like Corfu yeah. and Notchet and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so in, in my game, out of pure anger, it's not called Notchet, it's called No Shay. Just because I, I That sounds I, good. Oh I, I I got so angry about this. That's the this. French pronunciation, which <laughs> basically is the correct pronunciation. So well, there yes, you go. it's no shame. No, we should we should all we should all fall in with that. Um so yeah, there was there was that and I mean strike ranks were just really mystifying for a very long time because they weren't in any other game that I played. Um we kind of we kind of got there though, and then when when the starter set came out, it had that handy strike rank tracker in it. Yes. <laughs> so we've got that on the table and it's got like little glass beads or figures on it of like who does what at, at what point. Um, Did you see the 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 fancy uh strike rank tracker from uh, I think Infinity Engine, I want to say? Was that the one where it was made out of etched wood? Yeah, I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I remember seeing that and thinking, that's that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thinking, oh, I need to make like some little tokens with like runes on them or something. And, uh. <laughs> and then ne- never actually getting around to it myself. Um, 
And then oh, the other thing that happens is you, you look at the character sheet, which is the thing that your, your beautiful players who've trusted you to run a good game for them um, are going to look at. And you look at the skills page and it's an absolute mess. So you read, you read down, you start up like top left. You go, right, okay, um, what is it? Bargain, okay. Charm, isn't that a bit like bargaining? Okay. Fast talk, isn't, isn't that a bit like both of those things? <laughs> okay, right. Um, and then you like you, you keep going down, and it's got like um, like treat disease, treat poison, are different things. All the all the different spirit magic things of sh- uh, the shamanism things are all different skills. And then there's there's all these like re- repeats of different things, like different kinds of weapons. Like different different sword like weapons like rapiers. Yeah, the broadsword is different from the short sword, which is different exactly. from the long sword, which is whatever. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so when I did it, I hacked it a bit and combined some of the skills together. Right. Yes. Which hopefully makes it a bit easier. But then there was that whole thing of going like, oh, hang on, but what if you need to give yourself boosts in skills that our games masters then turned into the same thing does that mean it becomes you being twice as good at it and then i got to go no that's not how it works stop getting excited that you found you found a loophole in it um but yeah um i don't know what's what what, what else can i say that's horrible because i mean you know you don't, you don't want to like be disparaging about this thing because there's 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 magic to it that has kind of like brought you to Mm-hmm. think that it's one of your favorite games and and you know like make make podcasts about it and all that kind of thing <laughs> but i don't know uh blah, blah. i can say it was definitely it's not a fault of the 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 stuff that's out from chaosium but as soon as you try and ask the internet what RuneQuest is you get a very confusing answer back that kind of needs a bit of decoding of like what happened over the years and what publisher it was and what was going on and what, what their <laughs> it was. Um, yeah. But that's okay because you can, you can kind of like, um, you can just now leave all that like edition wars, game wars, version wars, just all behind. Cause now you can pick that role playing at uh, RuneQuest role playing. You write the book off the shelf in, in one smooth motion. And, and, and that is it. That is everything that you need. And it must be said that that book itself has so much in it. That is the most. That is the most dense role-playing game book I've. I mean, I've ever you'll seen. still find, you know, people who want to restart some edition of wars and talk about, like, you know, the RuneQuest third edition rules for this or that. But you can safely ignore them and just. You know, <laughs> the thing about the system really is that it's modular. You can uh, flinch uh, things mm. on. You can tone them down. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, like, there's like odd house rules. Like, we we haven't started damaging weapons yet because it it struck me as being a little bit too much like bookkeeping. Yeah. Even though it it, can, it, can, it could be exciting because you know you're having a duel with some big villain and you've remembered that your sword's just about to break, so it, it might go horribly wrong. And that's really good for drama. But then the the background and the lead up to that is you doing lots of bookkeeping of writing numbers yes. on the yeah. lines. Do, do, like do you still do the damaging weapons for when there are like special or critical successes? Um, to be honest, no, but we kind of, we talk about it regularly. So I'm wondering about bringing it in maybe because it seems, it seems a little bit harsh to go from weapons aren't damaged at all to suddenly, occasionally your weapon will just break in half mm-hmm. because something yeah. ridiculous happened. But no, like much like everything else, that's like a bit of an in, in progress thing. Right. 
but no, but I mean, going back to the edition wars thing, I think it's uh, it, it, it sort of seems horrible to talk about it and, and, and bring it up in that way, so casually, like it's it's such a thing that affects all of us. But I think it's when you're a gaming group, the, the correct edition is the one that is most in print, the one that someone can go and walk down the street and walk into a game shop and buy and have in their hand and then bring to the group. And then, you know, even the, 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 guy, the guy who runs the game shop will then get money from everybody all having the, the, the nice, the nice most recent version of it. And I know that maybe throughout history there's been times when the most recent version of the thing was a bit wonky or something, but... But there, there we go. There we go. With 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 RuneQuest role playing, it is definitely the one to go for. Definitely, because I mean, you 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 look at that book, and then it was quite a surprise for me, being used to looking at role playing game books, that the book has rules in it for like what basically amounts to um, midwifery. It's got it's got like because of the Analda magic in it, it has all this stuff that's really beneficial. It's it's strange to see a role playing game book that doesn't have just damaging things in it. It kind of has <laughs> it has yeah. healing things, and it's not healing as in the sensible one makes their meathead friend who's at the front of the fight go back up a few more hit points. There's stuff in it all about helping people have babies. There's stuff in it about conceiving babies and delivering babies, and a lot of it is you know making sure your family's okay. So that was a real eye-opener to just sort of see that in the core book for something. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. yeah. And I'm sure, I, I don't know if there is like a gaming group out there somewhere where they're all, they're all midwives and they all, they're all an elder initiates and they sort of, they go around um, and it's like that TV show, Don't Call the Midwife, whatever it's called. Yeah, we, we have, we have talked to a couple of people who had like big, you know, plot points in their campaign about you know having two important people have a good baby like you know maybe yeah. a, a chieftain or whatever <laughs> so it, it has happened that it is a, yeah. a substantial uh, yeah plot device oh man um just to go go on about my campaign yet again um so the, the player characters sorry the player characters were trying to get into the underworld and they were going they were using a humak temple to go down into humak's hall of the slain down in the underworld mm-hmm. and um one of the guys didn't manage to get through to the underworld quite so well and then he was he was accosted by a humakti priest who sensed that an earth priestess had cast the reproduce spell on him and he was he was looking forward to going home and like starting a family and then this this kind of like scrawny guy was all about how how dare you come in here reeking of life when we're all about death and um <laughs> i was very very horrible and because he fumbled a couple of rolls the, um, the 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 reproduce spell was stripped off him by a by a, a humacti priest oh, wow he was sent. He was sent to the underworld to be with all, all, all the deathly things and, and the rest of his companions. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, I, I, I digress. I digress. Nice. <laughs> yeah, great opportunities there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can bring back a child from hell. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, oh god. Oh, hang on. This is like quite quite yes. a weighty concept, though, isn't it? You don't. You might have to bring up your X card, mightn't you, at that stage? But yeah. Because Christ, that's the thing. At my table, if I say to people, like, "Oh, hey, it's sacred time. It's time to roll on the table that says whether your baby dies or not." Yeah. Before I do that, I will say to everybody, "We're just coming out of the game a second, yeah. and we're going to we're going to like play a stupid game to do with your baby dying." 
um, all of you, you might have experienced your baby dying and like not really spoken about it to anybody all that much because we have this really stupid taboo to do with death in our society. Um, yeah, yeah, even people that you might have played for years, you might not know about that exactly, aspect exactly, of their life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't want your good friend who you're playing a role-playing game to kind of like suddenly sort of look down with tears in his eyes because of something that is in this stupid role-playing game that you're playing so yeah that's that's the thing that's the thing that i'll i'll definitely be handling or trying to handle like in a bit of a, a sensitive way but yeah it was it was the um going back to the the whole underworld thing it was it was the, like the the potential of, of a of a baby as opposed to an actual baby but yeah I, i'm sure that there would be if you were in Garantha and you were a grieving parent, you would immediately go to the nearest priest, like, right, I want a hero quest to go to the underworld to get my dead child's soul back. Because come on, we, they only just appeared and now they've, 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 they've died. Um, so God, that would be some kind of high emotional game, I tell you. Particularly if, if you were playing with a bunch of parents, they'd all be like kind of tearing up and sort of just thinking about all these these weighty concepts. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it is a, an adult game and you can see those those themes and, you know, and sex and marriage and all that sort of piercing through and you don't have to put them in your game, but if you squint, you can see them in, in the rule book. Okay, so um, what would you recommend as like for newbies who want to get into Glorantha or into your request or whatever? I suppose you would recommend the same thing you did, which is the quick start and the rulebook or something. Possibly. Different? Well, I'd say um, I'd say go to one of the most sort of overlooked books that's out there, which is the Glorantha source book. Um, and God, God knows I, I overlooked it for quite a while because I was just like, all right, it's just this kind of like flavor stuff. And can't I just look that up on, on the Glorantha wiki anyway, and (laughs) tell me and it'll, it'll be free. I mean, like, why, why do I need, why do I need that anything other like either not having it or just having a PDF of it? But anyway, so I, I, I got it and I, and I own it and, um, it, it became my favorite RuneQuest or Glorantha book um because it's really well done it's deliberately nicely presented it's it's printed in color it's got artwork in it and it's all well for me as someone who's come in with, with role playing in Glorantha it's perfect for me because it's deliberately tailored towards that game and it's tailored towards Dragon Pass and it sort of tells me everything i need to know and some extra stuff as well and everything's it's it's broken into chapters quite nicely and sections yeah. So really? not, not, not as a first book, but as a, you know, once you've got the rule book and all that, like, look at this as one of the next books to get. I, I don't know, actually. I, I might say even before you get the rule book. Possibly. Really? Yeah, wow. just okay. get, because I, I don't know. My, my approach to it was come at it through the mythology. Right. And yes, there's, yes. There's, there's more mythology in the Garanth source book than there is necessarily in the core rule book so yeah you, you might be able to catch mythology nerds with the with the yeah the yeah i mean that's yes. that's just yeah. my own my own version of it so i i can, I can only talk about that yeah no that's fair that's and what fair. i what i would say is that everybody seems to go on about the guide to glorantha double volume slipcase there which was one another one of the things that i didn't think i would ever buy but i, I ended up actually getting it eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> well no, I, I was trying to like you know practice self-denial and and um all that kind of thing but no my my, my partner said like well, if, if you want it why don't you just get it and i've just been paid for some <laughs> illustration work, and i was like yeah go on then um but that's the the the, the people who you know 
like put all their RuneQuest books on the shelf and then just look at them as opposed to actually recreating some modern mythology with them. That's kind of like their pinnacle. That's the pinnacle of it. But for me, being a, a cheeky, snot-nosed kid in, in this scene, it's it's actually not that great to a, to a, a RuneQuest role-playing Garanza um, player. Sorry, everybody. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, cause it, it's, it's dra- dra- obviously Dragon Pass is in there, but it's the whole it's the whole world and it's it's quite hard to kind of like find detail in it um yes, admittedly, it's a very high level view yeah. yeah 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 admittedly all the stuff about um Nysalor and gabaji and arcat is kind of like reprinted in the grant source book and that's quite handy um and the constellation stuff's really handy and actually what well, i mean the, the the whole thing is just it's it's a joy Let's let's be honest. So like open it up on any page and just go like, oh what, there's an island of flamingo men. Oh right, amazing. <laughs> and then you just like close it again and just go and do something else. Yeah, yeah. Um that's amazing. But I think the the people who think it the, the, the pinnacle is that absolute shelf busting book, which I wish somebody out there must have actually injured themselves while they were picking it up or yes. putting yes. it on a shelf yes. or reading it, it or something. And, and it can be used for self-defense as a blunt weapon. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. good armor and uh... it, it does. Yeah, yeah it, it, does. Can, it can probably protect you from uh, uh, automatic weapons or something, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Keep no, it, it could, it could. But I, I kind of, I, I just wish that people would talk about the Durant the Source book in the same kind of reverential tones um because the grant source book was obviously even though it's obviously lots of different articles all pulled together and put into one volume it's it's a way for a modern RuneQuest player to become more educated about the world of garantha which is of course what we're all about um but yeah and i mean it, but but returning to your question the, the other ideal book would be once again coming at it from the mythology angle would be the book that doesn't exist, which is like the kind of the coffee table Glorantha mythology book, which is sort of like um, easy to read, but has like really good artwork in it. And it's all like the big stories of like the, the Lightbringer's quest and like, I don't know. Oh, so like, uh, so like, like the, the, the equivalent of the Dolaire Greek myth book, yeah, but for Glorantha? That kind of thing, but like right. really accessible. So. Anybody can pick it up and be wowed by it. And, it, and it's got all the main stories in there that kind of like permeate the world. And that that would then make people go, "What? I can actually play a game in this thing? That sounds amazing! Sign me up." Um, but I mean, that's that's just me talking from the perspective of being a, a, a mythology nerd once again. Well, a, a mythology nerd who who likes pretty pictures, and I've just kind of like <laughs> discovered described yeah, my mean, my ideal product there. Yeah. You're, you're going to like the god's book and the prosopedia then even mm. though they don't have this uh monomythic uh overview yeah i think because it will have stories in it right i mean I, i'm, I'm yes, really excited uh, about it either way have you seen a long card write-up um like not the, so much the the ones from for example like cults of prax yes, like the indeed. old rq2 oh uh, yeah um i've seen some of those yeah yeah right yeah so uh, basically you always have a page almost of the god and myth, uh, and myth and then you have a page about the cult and history and then you go to the special magics and rune ranks and whatever and uh, most gods will have the illustration and you will uh, learn about myths about interaction so fantastic 
Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I see. I, I see where Ali is coming from. My um, uh, my youngest kid right now is reading the Dolaire uh, Book of Greek Myth, and it's it, it's very nice. Like we're reading like one myth uh, every every other night or so, and and yeah, it's nice because it's just like. You know, there's an entry for, I don't know, Dionysus, and it's just like the story of Dionysus with a big, you know, full page thing. And then next page is like Persephone, and there are like a couple pages, the story of Persephone, big picture. So, yeah, that would be, um, that would be actually pretty interesting to have that as a, yeah, um, uh, as a Glorantha book. Yeah, cool. That sounds brilliant. I'm about to look up this book then. In, in that case, so it's, I've heard like many people mentioned that they read this as a kid, and um, and and that's how they got into mythology. Um, so I figured I would get it for my kid, and yeah, it, it works. It's like well, well presented and straightforward and all that. So fantastic, right? Fantastic parenting, that uh, uh, would be absolutely <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Is, uh, is, it, is this the first time anyone's been interested of the kid or, or kids been reading at many other sort of books about myths or the myths? No. Of well, my my other kid got a lot into myths, but only through uh, the Rick Riordan books. Oh really? Ahaha! Yeah, like Percy Jackson and all that, and all. No, the... this is this is amazing because there is a generation of people out there who yeah. know their Greek myths, and then there's <laughs> there's another. Didn't he? He did a series that's based on Roman myths as well, didn't he? Uh, I don't know about that. I know that there is a series based on Egyptian myths. Ah, yes, that's a point. Uh, I've seen those in shops, yeah. And possibly Norse myths also. I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of books. And as far as I can tell, um, this guy, Rick Riordan, is pretty good guy because all the money he got from all those books, he's now also funneling into his Rick Riordan Presents uh, series, which is uh, basically yeah. where he takes authors from other cultures to write also like young adult fiction based on myths. Uh, so you've got like some uh, book about Mexican myths. Oh, um, and it's the same thing as Percy Jackson, you know, usually it's a, it's a teenage boy or a teenage girl who has like, you know, uh, problems in their life. And then they discover they have superpowers because they are demigods or whatever. Like it's uh -huh. the, you know, usual young adult fantasy. Uh, but so, yeah, there's one on Mexican stuff. There's one on some, I want to say maybe Kenyan or like oh, some other yeah. uh, East African uh, myth. Uh, and there, there's basically a bunch. And he's getting like people from those cultures, like authors from those cultures to write about those. Um, so that sounds pretty good. And uh, I only read the Mexican one because I like me some good Mexican mythology. It's always fun. Um, so that's also a good way if you, you know, if you want to avoid the, usual tropes of you know norse celtic roman yeah, mythology solid, then solid. you can look into those other ones and i mean it's books written for 13 year old uh kids so it's very easy to get into and you know of course it's not gonna be entirely academic academically correct uh, <laughs> facts no, about, but it, uh, it gives uh, that grounding very easily it gives that grounding without somebody having to write, read a book that's that thick, that yeah, has exactly. really, really small print in it, that's kind of academic. And it means there's another generation of people who 
into that kind of thing and it and it persists and that'll be another way in which the magic of mythology and storytelling will keep on passing down through the generations and through the years because it's been it's been it's been hundreds of years and it's been thousands of years already and it just keeps on passing down and that that is that is the amazing thing about it <laughs> yes um okay we should wrap it up because uh this is probably <laughs> going to be one of our longest episodes yes. on the holy crap <laughs> so, sorry guys no, but on the other hand, we don't have to ask our questions because you already gave the answers to so many of those. Yes. <laughs> um, I, okay, okay. I think we can just jump to um, yeah. uh, promoting yourself. Okay, well, let's let's not do it entirely about myself. Let's let's promote the um, the Johnstown Compendium a bit because you can go on there and you can buy a book all about duck people. Um, yes. And everybody loves a duck person, myself included. And if you buy those books about duck people, um, from, from Legion Games, the duck pack series, uh, there are some lovely illustrations of some homely duck people in, in there. And those are ones that I've done because Neil Gibson and Drew Baker asked me to. And I said, of course, of course, I would love to. Please, <laughs> please let me do it. I'll pay you. You don't have to pay me. I'll pay you, but um, pay me. They did, and 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 they're up on there, and um, yeah, just just get into it. I know. That I think they're working on the adventure book. That's the last book in the series, right? Yes, slightly, slightly more adventures in it than they were planning. So, it's, will you it's, have uh, also illustrations on that last book? I hope so. Um, I think they're pretty busy. He's not reached out about anything just yet, but I, it, it'd be nice to. Um, but in the meantime, there's what else are you going to see? So there's going to be, in the future, um, Mr. Brian Duguid has done, well, sorry, he is doing, he, he of the, um, the Children of Haikim book, he got in touch with me because he's doing a book all about the Black Elves. Oh, yeah, we've heard the about fun- that. The, the Fungus Elves. Yes. Um, so I'm going to draw some pictures of some Fungus Elves for him. Cool. Um, and, and eventually that's going to be on the Johnstone, uh, the Johnstone Companion. Cool, and we'll we'll also have uh, links to your website and your uh, portfolio oh, and all that, so people can also buy uh, your other things <laughs> not related to Glorantha. Because I mean, okay, well, thank you know. very much. Well, if, if everybody could kind of like hold off the buying things until I get the the graphic novel all about Finn McCool drawn, that'd be great. So if you just sort of take that notion and then save it for about five years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, because you're 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 working on that graphic novel, but it's not it's nowhere near ready to be released then well no because i've just like, done a few pages and then oh, okay. see if i can get it picked up by a publisher and then i'll probably get despondent and self-publish it and then it'll take ages but um that leads me back to something else actually which is um, another johnstone compendium thing i'm doing so um uh mr jonathan quaif who was the guy back in the day i wasn't there this is this is way before my time but he was part of the gaming group that had the tales of the reaching moon fanzine guys in it and he ran this thing called the gray dog campaign where everybody was in the, the Lismelder tribe and they were in the Grey Dog clan. And he's going to do a book all about that. And I'm going to do some, some portraits in there as well. Um, I've, done, I've done a few already. And then by the end of it, there's going to be about 40 or so, maybe, um, portraits of satirites in it. Um, he's also, and I, want, I, I honestly want to shout about this from the rooftops, he's also doing this thing that is kind of like his own version of the king of satire insofar as he's writing a very dense in-world document which 
is full of information about Garanza. And he has deliberately, it's it's kind of like a, a, a role of the king's book. Um, and it's all about linguistics as well. But he's lent very heavily into the kind of Indo-European side of that kind of Celtic spread of cultures. And it's... It's very, very dense, and it's it kind of takes on this kind of um, sort of like Sanskrit, kind of like slightly Hebrew sort of language. So it tells you all about lots of different kings, and bless him, he's rounded up all these things in Glorantha where the name is really, really silly, and this is why it appeals to me. <laughs> now, you understand, the name is really silly because that word actually means this in Glorantha, so actually, it's not a silly name. It's a very, very sensible name because it, the book will now tell you the precedent of that term and it's from a particular king because of this, this, and this. Um, and that's something that he says to, to intone the five years thing again. It, 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 might be, it might be like five years before it gets, it, it gets released because um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a realist like that. So that's, that's nice. So um, <laughs> there's, there's like John Stein Compendium RuneQuest stuff um, from cool. me that you can see before you have to go and see any of my own stuff. Cool. Um, well, uh, okay. Well, good. Good luck with the editing, Ludovic. And, um, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm. I'm really sorry. Um, no, don't. Be <laughs> I mean, uh, you're uh, the living success story about uh, getting into Garanza. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. It's just the the whole the whole being fanish thing. The Johnstone Compendium lets you be fanish about things, and then get rewarded for it. And it's just it's just nice to be like that because as as I'm sure you guys know, the Glorantha just gets in your brain and it, it gets in your brain in, in, in a way that nothing else does. And even then it you can't even fit there's no way that Glorantha can fit in one person's head. Um so you you only ever have bits of it and in, in the course of that it becomes this kind of incredible organic sort of structure that is also supported in other people's imaginations as well. Um, and that's that's the amazing thing, and that's that's the thing that we're all totally high and drunk on, like doing <laughs> doing podcast recording, on and then going off to write John Stankovenium stories. Like I know Ludovic does, as a matter of fact, because um, I was I found myself thinking maybe I could be like a guy who writes scenarios and, and does the artwork for them as well, and like yeah. lays them out and everything. And it turned out that you'd done it already. You, yes, you swine. <laughs> it, so, takes so, um, it takes so long. You know? <laughs> I can believe it, honestly. I can believe it. So good, good work. Good Thank work. you. <laughs> cool. Well, um, we can't uh, get any better than praise for me. Uh, so. <laughs> so, on, so on that bombshell, good night. Yes. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot for <laughs> spending time yeah. with us and, and geeking out with us. And it's been uh, absolutely fun. It's been my absolute pleasure. Um, please, please keep on doing what you're doing and keep keep on. Yeah, just put putting the podcast out there, putting the news out there, doing the newsletters, doing the website, all that kind of thing. It is pe- people care about it. Is, is oh, all cool. I can say. Thanks. So, thank you very much indeed. It's good to hear. Okay, right. Good night, good morning, good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learner's Glorenthan Initiation Series. The intro music is Dancing Tiger by Damscray. The outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at the God Learners. 
See you next time. Question everything to the void.